You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. This is What the Heck with Mike Heck on MMAFighting.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Heck. What the heck? Well, hello there, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com. My name is Mike Heck. Thank you so much for having us on, whether in video form on YouTube or audio form, wherever it is you find your favorite podcast. As you can probably see, I am sweating profusely right now. It is like 115 degrees in Command Center 1.0. I am very excited for Command Center 2.0, which will be coming your way, hopefully, within the next two weeks. But uh, we kind of have to deal with the heat and me sweating profusely. Um, there is some work going on on the house as well, so you might hear some drilling, some stuff going on on the roof, but uh, we just got to battle on through. And I wasn't sure how this episode would look as far as guests go with a long weekend, fight card coming up on Saturday, but man, we filled this thing up and we filled this thing up quick. Five guests will join us. 100% of them have upcoming fights over the next two and a half weeks or so. Three of those guests are fighting this Saturday night at UFC on ESPN 9, which will be headlined by Tyron Woodley returning to action to take on the surging Gilbert Dorino Burns. And yesterday, it was made official that the event and next weekend's event on June 6th, UFC 250, and I'm sure all domestic events for the foreseeable... For, and I'm sure all domestic events for the foreseeable future will take place at the UFC Apex in Las Vegas. The Nevada State Athletic Commission has approved these events, top rank in the boxing world. They had some upcoming events for June as well. Those are approved. So it looks as if the fight capital is back in business beginning this Saturday with the UFC. And of course, we'll have all sorts of great coverage from that event throughout the rest of the week. We'll have the weigh-in show, stare-downs, etc. We'll have the preview show. That's all going to go down on Friday. We'll have all the fight night info as well on Saturday and beyond. So stick with us at MMAfighting.com for the rest of the week for all that stuff. But there's no time to waste. Let's get right into this thing. We are going to wrap up the show. And this came together completely last minute with the newest addition to the UFC roster, Gabriel Green. He's going to step in for the injured Kevin Holland on just five days notice to face Daniel Rodriguez this Saturday. We're going to check in with the gifted one later on in the program. Anthony Rocco Martin has a big fight coming up at UFC 250 next weekend. He's going to take on Neil Magny, and this is the biggest fight of his career for a number of reasons. So we're going to check in with Rocco Martin in a little bit and find out why. Roosevelt Roberts, one of the exciting up-and-coming lightweights in the UFC. He returns to action on a little over a week's notice to take on Brock Weaver. That's going to be a hell of a fight this Saturday. We're going to check in with the go-getter Later on in the program, also competing this Saturday, Tim Elliott is going to welcome former LFA flyweight champion Brandon Royval to the UFC this Saturday night. That fight is just going to be wild. Along with one of the stories that Tim Elliott shares with me in regards to his last fight with Askar Askarov at UFC 246. If you missed the snippet that I post on social media, man, it's just wild. And you're going to hear that conversation in around 25 minutes or so. But first... Let us kick things off with someone who has created some headlines and some strong reactions over the last five days or so. Cynthia Calvillo, we found out, first reported by ESPN, is going to fight Jessica I on June 13th in the main event in Las Vegas. Now, that is a very interesting fight, but it was met 
with a lot of negativity, more so because of the position on the card. So I wanted to have Cynthia come on and talk all about it from her perspective. I know she's got to be excited for this fight. So let's get to that chat right now to kick off this episode of What the Heck. All right, we move ahead to our next guest. We found out this past weekend that she will be one half of the main event for the UFC's event on June 13th. She'll take on Jessica I. And if you're going to change weight classes, doesn't hurt to get that headliner spot. Cynthia Calvillo joins us on What the Heck. Cynthia, how are you? I'm, I'm doing great. Uh, it's, it's actually, uh, it, it's awesome. It's been a crazy last couple of days. So, um, it's, it's pretty awesome right now. <laughs> I bet, uh, this ambiance, this background is, is something else. This might be the, the best background we've had in the history of the show so far. <laughs> yeah. I'm chilling in my parents' backyard. My mom loves, you know, um, it's nice to have this out here, especially during this heat right now, you know, nice to have some shade. <laughs> Absolutely. So big opportunity for you in a couple of weeks time. We'll dive into that big news in a moment, but how has life been for you over the last few months in the middle of a global pandemic? It's been crazy. It's been a, a roller coaster for sure. I think I was in transitioning of our like kind of moving over here and I was um, doing my camp Originally, I was supposed to schedule to fight Antonina Shevchenko back April 20 uh, and uh, the 18th or the 24th or something. I forgot now just because of all the craziness. But yeah, it was the 24th or something. And um, I had to pull out because everything got shut down. You know, I got I got worried. I started staying here at my parents' house. My dad's like old and, you know, definitely got that scare. You don't want to be dumb about it and be like, you know, it's not a real thing. You know, it's not going to get us or something. But it, we didn't know. And it, and it hit Santa Clara County pretty good. We got pretty good restrictions in most other counties in California. So um, it's been crazy. I'm just happy things are starting to get back to normal. We can all start crawling out of our houses and getting back to what you know, we're used to doing. So it, it's been crazy, but I don't even know how to explain it. <laughs> Yeah, because it seemed like it seemed like the natural progression and sort of the the formula the UFC was putting together was if fights were to fall out, they would just rebook them and put them back together on later dates. Was was that fight with Shevchenko ever discussed at all to to rebook that one? Yeah, you know, we did kind of talk about it, but I couldn't give them an exact specific time because the new coaches that I was working with that AK that I was barely starting to work with, they, everything got shut down. Everybody got scared. The gym got closed. Khabib went back to Russia. And when that happened, we're like, all right, everything's off, you know? And I was really trying really hard to still keep that fight. But uh, my coaches that I was working with there were not comfortable with, like, going in. So I was just kind of like, well, I'm not going to go in there and fight by myself, you know? I just, it just didn't feel right, especially me switching up to a new team and be like, hey, guess what, guys? I'm still going to fight regardless of what you guys tell me to. Nice to meet you guys, you know? <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, I, I, we tried to keep it, but I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep her waiting. I felt like if she wanted to continue fighting, have another fight, if she was available to have that and have the resources, especially because she lives with her coach and she trains with her sister, you know, it's like, I don't, I don't really, I didn't have that. And I definitely didn't have access to a gym at the time to, you know, continue fighting for that fight. So, um, she got, go ahead and went ahead and got rescheduled against Caitlin and, um, we just started getting back in the gym this past week, barely this past week. Uh, uh, I, you know, have let us get back in there. And um, I was shooting a fight for July. And so I seen everybody was 
getting lined up already, everybody in the flyweight division. I was like, man, you know, it really sucks that I had to let go of this fight. I, you know, I was like, it's a great fight for me. I would go into 125s, get to fight the champ sister, you know, beat her. You know, what other way than say, hi, I'm here now, you know? But it passed by and then I noticed everybody was getting lined up, getting fights. And I was like, man, who's not, who doesn't have a fight booked up? Well, I don't see Jessica's got anything booked up or Jennifer Amaya, but Jennifer Amaya is, you know, she's in Brazil. So I was like, maybe there are those, you know, so I messaged my manager and I said, Hey, does Jessica have anything matched up for July? You know, that'd be great. Now that we're back in the gym, that'll give me plenty of time to get ready. And, uh, cause I don't think so. Let me, let me, uh, let me check. And, uh, he messaged Mick and Mick's like, no, she doesn't have anything lined up. Uh, how about a uh, main event June 13? I'm like, what? I was like, wait, what? I was like, main event? I was like, dude, it was just an opportunity I cannot pass up. First, you know, she's she's a she's she's a number one contender in the flyweight division. And, you know, how could I not say no? And you know, how could I say no to this, this opportunity? Yeah, three weeks might not be enough. Maybe most people might not want to take it because it's a five round fight, but this is just an opportunity. You you just don't you don't you don't, you know, how how can you go wrong from you know, going into another division and, you know, fighting the number one contender. If I win, I'm already up there. So it's it's going to be great. I think it's it was a no-brainer for me to go and take this. Absolutely. Um, one of the big questions heading in in regards to you was, you know, where are you going to find another place to train, uh, another team to join? And heading into your last fight, we discussed you spending a lot of time in, in Thailand and you got a ton out of that experience. And then we found out that, and you alluded to it that you're with AKA now. How did that decision come to be for you? I think, uh, you know, I, I loved AKA. AKA was fun, but, and it's great. I love the coaches and, and, you know, people over there, but it was a really difficult for me. Um, when I, I went through some, some problems over there dealing, you know, medical problems and it was a horrible experience for me, uh, not being able to leave Thailand to come back home during that time. And it just gave me just like this feeling of just like, I got to go home, you know, I got to go home and I got to be with my family. I, I, I just need to go. And so um, it was just that time. I, I was struggling a bit. I was trying to find, you know, where am I going to train after Team Um it, it was a huge gym, big name gym. And I was, I was having a hard time. But then, you know, coming home over here to go visit my family, there's AK there. I always knew AK was there, but it was always big boys. You know, not a lot of smaller people for me to work with. And, you know, I like to train wherever I'm at, wherever I go visit. And, you know, I'm here visiting my family. AK is there. I'm going to go train and go check it out. There's actually a lot more people, a lot, way more training partners, a lot of people my size. So I was like, man, now I get to be with my family. I've been away for many years and there's this gym and and it just felt right. So it felt right for me to come home and, and, and move here, come back home. And especially during this time, it's, it's been so crazy and everything just kind of kind of pointed all back to, to coming back home. So do you think that you'll end up staying there after this fight or are you just going to kind of wait and see how things play out and go from there? Yeah, I mean, I'm hoping I can stay here for a while, but but, you know, you never know. Um, I was barely getting started with them. I think I was about three, three weeks in before they shut down. So, and I, I, it, it was, a, it was, a, it was great while I was there. Cause it was during the time that Khabib was in fight camp as well. So the energy in the gym was just crazy. So of course I was like, yeah, this is great. You know, and you, it's cause you never know either, you know, certain gyms, like 
they go up and down, maybe, you know, depending on who's fighting or who's not. So I really wanted to see how it was, you know, you know during fight camp and after fight camp. Because I like training all year round. And, you know, whatever team I'm, I'm with, it's like, you know, it pretty much becomes my home. I'm, I'm there 24-7. So is AKA like fully back open now or is it still under some sort of restrictions with, you know, lower size of, of group and things like that? Oh, 100 percent. The the gym is closed. The gym is closed. It um, it got closed since since Khabib left. So it hasn't been open. They just opened it last week. Um, and it's only me and one other fighter in there right now because he's got to fight for, believe, the contender. And then just me because I'm the only one that's got a, a, a fight that's that's lined up. So I think little by little, the next couple of weeks, we're going to start lifting a couple of those restrictions. That's what Governor Gavin Newsom said. Of course, you have the best governor. Wink, wink. <laughs> but anyway, um, but uh, yeah, so it, it's, it was really tough, man. So our county got hit pretty bad. Everybody was really scared. And I don't blame them, you know. Um, I was scared too, like I said, just being around my parents. But I didn't want to go and go in and out of the house and even train and, you know, bringing it in. And it's, you know, I was, I was scared for that. But now we're getting back to normal. Jim is barely... You know, people are going in there, but right now it's, it's literally, I, I have a couple training partners, my head coach, and we have one room that's designated there at, at the gym just for us. And, um, you know, we do our best to make sure we keep it clean, you know? And so, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're just rolling with the punches right now, getting back to normal little by little, but it's still really weird. It feels like post apocalypse. So, um, yeah, I was going to say, did, um, did the, the three Jacksonville events sort of loosen you up a little bit in, in regards to booking another fight? Because, I mean, we, we did have, you know, a couple of positive tests, Jacare and his team, and that was that was unfortunate news. But, you know, other than that, it was pretty successful and, and, and nobody really was infected by anything outside of those three guys. Did that sort of open you up to the idea of getting back in there once you saw those three events go down? It did. I got really jealous and, like, the fighter in me, like, I was just kind of really irritated because... I was like, man, you know, I, I know I, if it wasn't for like, if I didn't have like the, the, like probably support of like a gym or coaching staff for the access to it, I probably still would have tried to continue to fight for that fight, you know, but because I didn't and my, the new coaches I was working with didn't feel comfortable with, you know, cornering and at that training, I didn't want to put them at risk and their family of like, you know, going out of their way to go train me as well. So, um, that was a tough one, but once I started seeing the fights coming on, you know, and I keep in touch with my coaches every week, and I'm like, huh, huh, come on, everybody else is doing it. What is ours, you know? So I've just been kind of just been pushy a little bit. As soon as I ground the green light, that like go back in the gym, I was just like the first one there, and I was like, yes, you know. So, um, yeah, no, I was definitely jealous of everybody who got to fight fight the last couple Jacksonville events for sure. So. That's why I had to get on it. I was like, man, everybody. After that, I noticed everybody all that because everybody was kind of scared. I was like, we don't know if these fights are going to happen. They already canceled. But once we knew that three of them happened, we're like, okay, well, they are going to happen. So maybe we can, you know, make the sacrifices to figure out how to train during this time. Um, and then that's when I seen everybody was getting matched up. And I was like, wait, wait for me. <laughs> I know this is your first main event in the UFC. Is this is this your first main event ever, regardless of promotion? Um. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think for as a professional. Yeah. Actually, only as an amateur, I had like one main event, I think. 
Um, but as a professional, yeah, in the UFC, this is my first one. I had two co-main event, and this is my first one. I know most people, for sure, definitely do not agree with with this main event, which is fine. But I also know a lot of other fighters that want to jump in in a five-round match, you know. So especially during this time, at a short notice. So, um, you know, sometimes you got to take those offers. You could just not refuse. <laughs> Yeah, to, to, you alluded to it, the, the, the sort of elephant in the room here, and I'm sure you, you knew this question was coming, sort of following up on what you just said. The matchup, I think, overall was praised for what it was. However, like you said, there's there, there didn't seem like there was a lot of people who were overly enthused that this would be a main event for a UFC fight card. And I know you try to block up the negativity. That's what you have to do these days in a, in a crazy social media world that we're in. But, you know, how did you react to the response from people that this was the main event and really not looked at in a, in a positive light, so to speak. I mean, uh, honestly, to, to tell you the truth, I, I myself was very surprised, you know, when this happened, like to give me the main event, especially considering that I had missed weight the last fight. My track record has been a little bit off these last couple of times, you know, I haven't been putting on the best performances, especially me going, you know, getting a draw and missing weight. You know, and then coming in and I thought at for sure when I was like, you know, I knew that it was strange situations run out during COVID. And so, I, but I still kind of felt kind of weird. I was like, man, I had to pull out of this. I couldn't, you know, I had to pull out the other fight because of this that's going on. And I just didn't seem like I was going to be in the right place. I was happy to get something, you know, and um, when it happened, I was just like, you know, man, I'm going to take it. And I know a lot of people don't agree with it, but honestly, F y'all. <laughs> to, to tell you the truth, I mean, I really, really don't care, man. It's strange times right now. I mean, I, I, I don't necessarily, I'm not even sure if I probably would have got this opportunity had it not been because of COVID, just because I know some people were worried about taking certain fights. There's a lot of matches that like got mixed up. A lot of things got switched up. They're just trying to make fights happen right now. Right now. And I think that's great. I'm, I'm extremely appreciative. But I really don't give a damn what any people say. They'd be dumb to think that, I, what, am I supposed to be like, no, no, guys, I do not agree with this main event right now. I don't know why you guys did this. No, we're not going to do it. No, of course we're going to take it as fighters and where we're at. Whoever be in my position would absolutely 100% take that fight. And if you guys want to sit on it, then go ahead. I guarantee you motherfuckers will do it, you know? So it's like... It's, it, it, you know, it is what it is. You might not agree with it, but it's crazy times and I'm going to run with it and I'm going to go out there and I'm going to put the performance of my life, you know, especially going up to 25s. These weight cuts are going to be easy money for me. You know, I can take these short notice fights and I'm excited to be able to do that again, you know, and I'm taking Dana up on that offer about having at least four fights this year. So I'm going to get that done, you know, main event, no main event. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that was kind of my reaction to it. I mean, you could say what you want about the, the fight and the placement of it, but what, what are you supposed to say? You know what? There's a couple of other fighters who deserve that spot over me. So why don't, why don't they do that and we'll, we'll fight in the co-main event? Like, that's just crazy talk. Does that, does that add any extra motivation to this fight? Some, some extra bulletin board material at all? Or do you just, it's just, you're past all the negativity at this point? Dude, it's been so crazy, man. I've had to deal with so many people talking shit, whether it was my last fight missing weight, whether it was before when I got suspended, you know. Um, luckily, because of going through these up and downs, I mean, my, my first year as a rookie was like the best. Everybody was like, at first, they're like, who the fuck is this chick? Next thing you know, everybody's on the fucking train. I lose, I get suspended, and now I'm back on the other side. So it's like, you know, it's 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 a lot of up and down. I'm, I'm kind of used to it. I, I already know how people are in social media 
a bunch of people that are, that say shit online that would never. I've I don't think I've ever had anybody talk shit. Any fans or any of these people that talk to me online have as had anyone talk to me like that in, in person ever. You know what I mean? It's just like you you're just gonna get a bunch of these these assholes out there, and that's fine. You know, you can go over there, you can tune in, or try to see me get beat up or win, whatever. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm just happy to be here and, and doing my job and doing what I get to love. I get to, I get to do what I love every freaking day. So, I mean, you're going to get criticized anyway, right? So might as well do it, doing what you love. Absolutely. And Jessica is one of those people who, who experiences that a lot too. She suffered one of the most vicious knockouts you will ever see in this sport against Valentina Shevchenko. And then the UFC matches her up with, with Viviana Araujo Ara Ara in December. And a lot of people thought when that fight was put together that she was about to be just a name added to Vivian's resume. But big props to Jessica. She showed a ton of heart to bounce back and pick up a win after such a, a devastating loss. I'm sure she cost a lot of people some money at the betting window too, but is Jessica someone that you've been at least paying attention to despite being in a different weight class through your UFC run? Oh, absolutely. I mean, she was somebody that was in before I turned pro I was, or even I even fought as an amateur, I, I should say. Um, I remember her following her while she was an amateur. And she I think she she had like I think she went out. She was undefeated as an amateur or something like that. Uh, um, but I know she had a good record. And so I always had my eyes on her. I always kind of like looked up to her and stuff like that. But then once we got into the UFC, I knew that at one point, you know, or another, you know, we could cross paths because she was at 25 and she went into 35 because there's no 25 division in the UFC. Same thing with me. When I got into UFC, I, the only reason I did 25s is because there was no 25. So I went to 15. I was too small to 135s but I was too big for 115. So now it's kind of like everybody's meeting up at the weight class where they're supposed to. Um, man, it's great. I, 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 I love, I love it. I mean, I, I definitely have followed her throughout her career. I think she's, she's a tough veteran. It does not surprise me that she pulled off the win in the last fight either. You know, um, she's, she's a veteran. I mean, some people forget, you know, the people that she's, she's fought and stuff like that. Yeah. She had a devastating, you know, KO, but who doesn't have some, sometimes you go through things like that, you know, and it's all about, you know, how you get up from that. And obviously she, she tells, she tells a lot of mental toughness. She just kind of brushed that under, underneath and, and come going, you know? So, so, you know, we, we know she's a game player. She's a vet of the game and I'm very excited to compete against her. By the way, is there a bird in your backyard? Oh yeah. We got all kinds of birds. We got a <laughs> parrot. Uh, so in the community that I lived here in Eastside San Jose, my parents, it's, uh, it's probably the hood of San Jose, but it's mostly Mexican American community around here. And they all got all kinds of animals. So I think my other neighbors got like chickens and a goat. And I'm telling you these, they're small houses, <laughs> it's a backyard. It's all like, we got a lot of like huge properties or anything. So, um, yeah, we, we got all kinds of exotic animals over here. <laughs> yes. Very excited one that we can hear throughout, but, uh, how are you feeling these days now that you don't have to worry about cutting to 150 anymore? Is it a bit more comforting knowing that you don't have to cut those extra 10 pounds? Oh, absolutely. Like I just, I feel great during training. Um, usually every time when I'm cutting, when, you know, when cutting at 115s, I'm, I'm cutting down drastically. I'm like during the last three weeks and I'm walking a lot lighter and I just feel it in training. It kind of messes with my confidence because like these people that I had normal training times that, that, you know, normally I can give them a good run for their money or I, I can beat them or whatever it is, you know, I, as far as weight, 
it's a good fight. But then when I start lowering weight and I feel a little weaker, I feel like these guys are just like pushing me around, throwing me around. I'm like, you know, and confident, like, you know, in my mind, I'm just like, oh, I'm weaker. I'm, you know, this and that. So now that I get to eat really good and, you know, not worry about a weight cut, you, I'm usually just walking about 10 over, you know, um, when I was, when I was fighting Australia, I would maybe walk around the lowest that I could was low thirties. So it's not much of a difference, you know? Um, so I'm excited not to have the weight cut and I think it's going to help my performance a lot, especially, you know, my endurance, my, you know, being able to go into deeper into two later rounds, you know, because of it. So I'm, I'm excited. I feel great. I'm full of energy. (laughs) (laughs) Are you concerned about Jessica making the weight? Like she, she did win her last fight, but she missed weight by five pounds. Do you think that might be an issue or do you not care because that's extra money in your bank account? I mean, of course, it's going to be extra money in my bank account. If if she doesn't make weight, you know, that sucks. I believe that the last time that she missed weight was her first time that she missed weight. Um, So um, we'll see. We'll see. I know this is a different circumstances, too, because she's been in quarantine. I don't think she was getting ready for a fight. I know she was been like still working out. I mean, she still has her whole team training in a garage, so she's still been having her practices, I think, since since the PI closed or the gyms closed. So um, she's had that, uh, but I also feel like she hasn't been trying to, like, keep her weight down for a fight that's going to happen, you know? So um, who knows? Uh, I'm worried a little bit, but I know she she's probably going to have a tough weight cut, um, but it, it, it doesn't bother me, you know? it's I've fought other people before when they miss weight. You know, Joanne Calderwood, I fought her. She had missed weight. It's, it's, it's all right. You know, it's tough weight cut. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if she does just considering, cause it's a three weeks, you know, three weeks notice, but I, I feel like she would, she would make it. How does this all go down June 13th? First main event. How do you introduce yourself to this new division against a former title challenger? And I'm going to, I'm going to go out there and, you know, just fight my heart out. You know, I've been, I've been, uh, just trying to push myself, making sure I'm pushing myself these next couple of weeks and, and push my conditioning. Um, you know, there's no secret, you know, I, I love my, my big game is I got to take you down and I got to, you know, swarm on you top game, whether it's going to be ground and pound or submission. Um, I feel like overall I'm going to be better than her. I mean, people are probably going to question my conditioning just because it's a short notice fight, but I feel like I, I, I feel pretty good. So, you know, in the training that I have been putting last week and this week. So, um, I think I think I'm going to be faster than her. I think that the weight cut's definitely going to have more of a factor on her than it is going to be in me. And um, I don't know. I think it's going to be a great fight. It's, it's going to be a great fight to really showcase and, and tell people. You know, some people are like, "Man, I don't know. She should go up to 125s. You know, she's a 115, or maybe she's going to be dominated." But people don't realize that I started fighting at 135s. So most of my amateur career has been 35, 25s. Before I got into the UFC, I had only previously fought strawweight once. You know, I only turned star weight because I wanted to fight in the UFC, but I don't have to do that anymore. So, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think uh, I, I, we're definitely not going to try to drag it into the fifth round. We have to get in there and we got to get the finish as fast as we freaking can. That's that's the freaking plan. You know, we're not in here where we're we didn't spend eight weeks to or more than eight weeks to condition ourselves to fight for a five round war. I got to go on there and I just got to put it to her right away, you know, and take her out. That's, that's the game plan, especially when you take a short notice fight like this, that's supposed to be five rounds. (laughs) Yeah. Obviously we're not, we're not looking past Jessica here, but 
and you touched on this earlier, but if you go out there and you have a great performance, you said it yourself, you're right in the title hunt at 125, yep. a division that's gotten very interesting. There's a lot of big fights that are booked for upcoming cards. Do you allow yourself to to visualize being in that spot potentially, or do you try not to look past what's going to happen on June 13th? Yeah, absolutely. All the time, you know, from the time that I started training before I even got into the UC, that the, this is, this is what I do. This is my job. It's 24 seven. I wake up and I think about those things all the time. I think about them before I go to bed, you know, and when I wake up, I, my ultimate goal is to be one of the best in the world. And I want to be a world champion. My thing is not, Oh, Hey, you know, I'm into the UFC. I'm a so, so fighter. And you know, whatever. Yeah. I don't look past my opponents. The the fight in front of me is the most important, but the ultimate goal in the back of my head for what is always to be, I want to be one of the best in the world. And that is to be a champion and to be able to go up there. I'm fine. I feel like I belong over there. I mean, uh, there's a lot of girls, pretty much, I, I would say nine out of the 10 girls that I fought as a professional of all in the UFC or were in the UFC. You know, I've always fought top level girls since I got into it, since I turned pro. And, um, you know, I already beat Jillian Robertson. I beat Montana, Montana De La Rosa. Those are flyweights, you know, that are into the UFC already. And they have been pretty, a lot of them have been like successful. Um, you know, I beat Joanne Calder. She's up next for the title. You know, I've beat Poliana. She's going up to flyweight. Courtney Casey, she just made her debut at flyweight. Pretty much everybody that I, I fired is pretty much a flyweight, uh, for the most part, other than Carla Esparza. Um, you know, it's, um, it's, you know, I, I feel like I'm going to do great. I think, I think a lot of people are going to be, be surprised. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm ready, you know, uh, like I said, I might not have a lot of people on board right now or agree with, with the opportunity that I'm given right now, but, but that's fine. I'm sure I'm going to change their mind, you know, once they see me make my debut in the 125 division. Well said. Big fight coming up on June 13th. Main event against Jessica I. Cynthia Calvillo joining us on the program. Thank you very much for the time, Cynthia. Appreciate the ambiance once again. Big thank you to you and to all the exotic animals in the backyard. All the best to you for the rest of this camp and in the fight itself in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Thank you so much. And for all those people saying that, you know, they ain't going to tune in to watch the fight just because of the main event. That's fine with me. It's not like you got anything else to do, but uh, you know, <laughs> um, you know, you're, you're definitely gonna be changing your mind after June 13th. That's for sure. Cynthia Calvillo kicking off the show this week, and I completely agree with her. What was she supposed to do? Say, you know what, fans, fans may not like this fight in the main event spot, so we'll fight on the undercard. Come on. This is a huge fight for her, big opportunity for her, first main event in the UFC, first main event since her amateur days, and that's coming up on June 13th against Jessica I, her debut at 125 pounds in the UFC. Speaking of 125 pounds, a very fun fight, and if you don't know this, I'm telling you, it's going to be a very fun fight, and don't be mad if I'm wrong, but I just don't see a world where this isn't a very fun fight. Coming up this Saturday between Tim Elliott, our next guest, and newcomer Brandon Roy Val. We spoke with Brandon last week. As he heads into his UFC debut, you can check that out on the MMA Fighting YouTube page. But let us hear from his opponent, Tim Elliott. And man, what a story he has from his last fight in January. Here is that conversation right now. All right, the UFC is back in action next weekend, May 30th. The card came together very quickly outside of a, of a handful of fights. And one of those just announced bouts, includes this man who's going to welcome Brandon Roy Val to the UFC, Tim Elliott. This one has fireworks written all over it. How are you, sir? Oh, man, I'm great. I'm excited. Ready to go. 
Great to have you here. Like we mentioned, this thing came together very quickly. First off, I know you've been trying to get a fight booked for a little while now. How did this particular matchup come together with a guy like Brandon? I mean, uh, my manager hit me up, said, uh, hey, we got a fight. If you want it, Jordan Espinoza. I was like, sure, I'm on it. Um, they usually know like not to hit me up unless it's a sure deal because they know I'm probably going to say yes. I mean, I got a kid. I'm just bought a house. So like I'm trying to get some money. So, uh, they said yes, or, uh, they, they offered me the fight. I assumed that was going to happen. And then, uh, like an hour later they called and said the fight wasn't going to happen. Um, so I was like, oh shit. So, um, I just kind of went back to chilling and enjoying quarantine. And then maybe like two hours after that, my manager hit me up again and said, you're fighting one of my guys, Brandon Roy Vall. Um, a young kid, a kid I've trained with a few times, uh, back in the day a little bit. So uh, I know a little bit about him, but uh, again, I'm just, you know, even though it was kind of up and down, I'm just excited to have a fight. Were you a bit frustrated when you found out that Jordan booked another fight with Mark De La Rosa or once you saw it would be a 35 fight and we're in the middle of a pandemic, you sort of understood things a little bit more? I mean, I'm a little frustrated because I mean, we're both on two fight losing streaks, uh, De La Rosa and myself. Uh, they called and offered me the fight first. I said yes, and then he turned the fight down. So to see that he accepted De La Rosa right away was a little bit – I mean, I get it. It makes sense. And I know like usually when fighters turn down fights, it's it's usually not the fighter. It's their coach or uh, the manager. Um, so like it wasn't that big a deal, but of course I'm going to talk shit on the internet anyway. <laughs> um, but so like no worries, no hard feelings. I know the fight game. Like I want to, I want the best matchups possible as well. And like, not everybody is lucky enough to have coaches and uh, managers say, Hey, maybe that's not the best fight. Um, so like, again, no worries. I just like shit talking on the internet. It's gotten me fights before. And I feel like it put me up in a good position to where if I win this fight and, uh, and, uh, Jordan wins, like we could maybe be lined up later on down the road. Just planting those seeds. That's all. Just planting those seeds for the future. There's right. nothing wrong with that. You fighting on short notice during a crazy time in the world, this seems like it's right up your alley, is it not? It is, man. That's that's how I got into the UFC. Uh, I fought John Dodson on like six days notice um, and then got fired by the UFC and then got back into the UFC. My first fight was a world title fight against Demetrius Johnson. Um, and now we're having a pandemic and there's no fans and there's no sports. And then, you know, I'm, again, I'm just super blessed in this sport. Like I've, I've had a long road and I've, I've fought a lot of good guys, but it's, it's all been good. It's all been positive. I've, I've loved every second of being in the UFC and, and, um, I like the awkwardness. I like it when it's weird and, and there's no like advantages here. Like everybody was in quarantine, everybody was locked down. And, and the question is, is like, did you set it home and not do shit or did you go out and get better? So like that's that's kind of interesting and like judging by the fights that have been happening like pe- the fights are great man people are coming out they're they're fighting to win um, the decisions are super close when their decisions the knockouts are crazy the submissions are crazy so it seems like during the pandemic everybody like went home and and sharpened their tools it seems like yeah and speaking of some of those crazy fights and fighting good guys you had that crazy fight with Askar Askarov in January a guy that a lot of people are very high on in this division ultimately you didn't come away with the victory but you know what did you take away from that battle with a guy like that oh man I would like I would like to run that fight back um he clipped me in the first round and I was out of it like after the first round I like I had people like oh why would you have your hands down I was like man i I don't, I don't remember anything. When my coaches came into that fight, uh, after the fight was over, they told me to put my hands up and I was just like, like, why would I do that? I just got knocked out in the first round. I had no recollection of rounds two or three. I had no recollection of ever talking to my coaches in the corner. Um, and I was almost upset 
like, and I was so knocked out that I didn't even realize that I was tired. I was upset because I was like, man, I didn't get a chance to go out and get tired. And my coaches are like, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, so like, I feel like I kind of got gypped in that fight a little bit, although like going back and watching it, I'm glad I got to at least go out on my shield. Um, but no, he's, I took a lot out of that fight. I was worried about his guard. So we worked staying on the feet. And then like, after I took him down and watched the fight, I was like, we should have just took him down right away. That should have been the game plan was just put him on his back. Um, but you know, you, you live and you learn and, and I have a particular fighting style that I like to stick to. And it's not really even a style. It's like, I, I'm, I get, I like to mix it up and I like to have fun. And sometimes you get caught in those, those positions and situations and, you know, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. Wait a minute. So you thought, you thought that you got knocked out in the first round. Of that fight. When did you know that like it went the distance? Was it, was it when you went back and actually watched it or did your coach sort coaches sort of convince you that you went a full 15 minutes and you don't remember two thirds of the fight? Well, they told me and I was like, I just kind of kept my mouth shut because I didn't want to obviously didn't know what was going on, but that was the first fight I ever went to the hospital afterwards either. And like, um, but again, like if I, if I get to go out and perform, like, I don't care if my arms are broken or my legs are broken, I've, but I don't want what happened. I don't want to be in a situation like the Davis and Figueredo fight where I went in, I shot, a, I was winning the fight. I shot a bad takedown and got caught in a submission. I don't mind. I don't mind getting beat up, but I want to, I want to like be able to perform. I want to go out and get tired. I want to have, you know, I want to show that I can go 15 minutes and, and at least I did that in the Ascar fight. Uh, but I didn't get the chance to win the Figueredo fight at all. Uh, but that's just a sport, you know, it's, it's a crazy game. So when you went back and watched it, was there, did, did anything seem familiar at all? Or was it like you were watching a fight for the very first time? It was actually, it was pretty cool because I, I, I mean, I was, it was like an out of body experience when I was watching it. It was like, I was watching myself, but it wasn't me. Um, but it was cool to know like that when situations get that bad and I'm not in it, that like my body knows like, all right, this is what we do. This is what you're used to doing. It's not like I've, you know, that's, I went into autopilot and my autopilot is, is to start punching and kicking and, and, uh, you know, again, didn't happen the way that I wanted it to happen, but I'm glad I can like go back when I'm older and say, you know, I went three rounds with this guy. I did this good. I did that good. And, and, you know, not like, Oh shit, I just got caught with something silly. I can't wait to call my older brother after this, because I remember watching and covering that fight vividly. And my older brother who watches MMA from time to time, very rarely texted me that night and said, the guy in the mullet is out of his mind. <laughs> so wait till I call him and tell him that you do remember, you know, yeah. most of that fight. Yeah, I was for sure out of my mind. So I would like, honestly, I would like to, to run that back. All goes well for me. I get a win here this coming up weekend, get Jordan Espinoza as soon as his fight's over. And then, uh, you know, sit around and wait. I don't know what's going to happen. I would like the Ascar rematch. I think Joe B is going to get a fight, uh, Figueredo again for the belt. That seems like what they're going to do. Um, so like, I feel like if when these two and maybe get that rematch with Askarov, maybe I could be in the mix and, uh, you know, dream coming true would be me getting to fight my teammate, Justin Benavidez. Like that would be, that would be good for him and me and my team. Like that would just be like a storybook ending. Uh, he beat me in the UFC. Uh, he coached me on the ultimate fighter all the way to, to get a fight for a UFC world title. Now we trained together. We had a similar coach, uh, kill himself and Robert Follis. Like we just had a, a lot of like things together to, to be able to fight Joe B for the, for the UFC world title would be a, a dream come true. Even though we're friends and teammates, it would just be like best case scenario for me. Have you guys talked about that before? Had a back and forth being like someday, man, you and I, we're, we're going to get in there and fight for the belt. No, but I think he knows where I stand. I think he knows like, <laughs> 
me wanting to fight him isn't anything except for that just means we're both like at the very best and right where we should be. Cause the only time we would ever fight each other again would be for that, you know, either like a number one contender spot or for, for the world title. Otherwise there's just too many other guys. But yeah, I think he knows like that would be for me, especially not so much for him, but for me, that would be a, a dream come true to get a, you know, fight my teammate and one of my mentors and a, and a person who actually coached me and helped me get to be able to fight for a UFC world title to begin with. What a story that would be. Now you yeah, guys, exactly. now you get Brandon Royval who makes his UFC debut. And a lot of people have been saying for a long time now that this guy had deserved a call up to the UFC. Even fighters in the top 10 of your division wanted it because they just want to fight the guy because he brings so much energy and awkwardness and excitement to fights. And, you know, for you, you, like you said, you have familiarity with Brandon, but this one has potential to, to win all the bonuses. Does it not? For sure. Uh, 100%. And that's really what I'm after. Like, I'm not chasing wins anymore in the sport. I'm chasing that the checks and the way the checks go is you have to, you have to leave uh, some of your preconceived notions at the door. You can't, you can't just go in with techniques and shit. You got to really, you got to pull out that Justin Gaethje card, you know, and just you know, put it all on the line. And, and that's how you get paid. And, and this kid, he does that every single time. So for me, it's going to be important to like, make sure and get out of the first round. Don't get, don't get caught in nothing crazy in the first round. Let, let the, my experience kind of take over and, and settle in. I think if I do that, it, it should be a, a pretty good night for me. I spoke to, to Brandon yesterday and he told me that a very mutual friend of yours slash coach of yours, James Krause, uh, he will be staying out of this one because he knows both of you guys. He doesn't want to be in the middle of it. You know, you're a vet. You've been around the block a few times. Is it going to be weird not having him be a part of this at all? Uh, yes and no. Um, more importantly, right when I found out it was Brandon, I called James right away and was like, Hey, are you going to be, cause if, Bra if James is going to be in his corner, it's going to change things a little bit for me. I can handle not having James in my corner, but I don't know about seeing and hearing him on the other side. So, uh, but no, James assured me like, you know, where his head's at. And he's, James is one of those guys. He's just honest with everybody. So like, he just told me what he thought. And then like, I went from there, but yeah, it's, it's disappointing to not have him in the corner. James is, uh, he's one of those special guys. He, he knows how to say, I've been in situations where weight cuts more than, than fights, but I've been in weight cut situations where I was done. I told him I was done and, and he pulled me through and made sure that I made weight and like, wouldn't have been able to do it without him for sure. 100%. The Demetrius Johnson fight, I would not have made weight without James Krause. Uh, so it, it hurts not having him in the corner, but at the same time, like as long as he's not coaching against me, I feel like we're on a even playing field. He um he, he took a lot of heat for that Anthony Smith Globa Teixeira fight. He was part of that corner, and Anthony came out and essentially, which I which I respected a lot, and said, "Listen, blames on me. My coaches and corners are well aware that I will legit fire them if they stop any fight that I'm in." While I and who the hell am I looked at the fight last week in a certain way. I also know that I'm not a coach and I'm not a fighter. But how did yeah. you react to to all that heat being thrown Krause's way? Uh, I mean, it's nothing that James can't handle. He's, he's had, you know, he's an, James is an outspoken dude. Like he, he has opinions and like, and, um, it's just one of those things, like you're not going to make everybody happy, but for the most part, people just, they don't understand like what guys will do to, to, and Anthony Smith is one of those guys to where he'll get hurt and then he'll knock somebody out. So like, you can't, you can't really count Anthony Smith out in those situations. And like, Anthony Smith said it best. Like we're not, we're not going to have coaches in the corner that that are going to quit on us because the fighters aren't going to quit on the coaches. So to have a, a coach say that he would throw in the towel for the safety of his fighters uh, doesn't seem like a coach who's been around a long time. I, I've 
I've never seen it done. I don't, you can't even throw the towel in and I mean, in an MMA anymore. And if and if it was so bad to where the corner's got to stop it, it's the it's the referee's job to step in and make that decision. Like the fighters obviously can't be in control of it, and the corner same way because the fighters are always going to you know tooth and nail. They're going to it's to the death all the time. That's that's the sport we chose, and that's not going to change. And they would have been getting beat the other way if you'd have thrown in the towel. They'd have been getting shit for throwing in the towel. So yeah. it goes both ways. It really does. It's a, it's a pretty bizarre sport, especially, you know, in your last fight, had your team known that you were out of it, they might have thrown in the towel, which yeah. which makes things very interesting. And you and who would blame would, them? Would you be mad yeah, at them if they did? <laughs> I wouldn't have known until afterwards. But <laughs> same goes for me in that sense, though. Like, I trust my coaches and I trust James to where even if I think I'm done, if James doesn't think I'm done, I'm going to listen to him. And on the same note, if James threw in the towel and said you're done, I might be upset, but I know James has my best interests in mind, so I would take it either way. And the fact that James didn't throw in the towel just lets me know James thought that, that Anthony was still in that fight and could possibly still win. And uh, those are the co- kind of coaches that I want. I want a coach that thinks I'm going to win no matter fucking what. And uh, James is that guy. He puts everything into his guys. You've been <clears throat> in these types of situations before in terms of the ambiance heading into this fight like you've been on the ultimate fighter you fought in these types of environments before that that, that you're going to see next weekend in las vegas i mean do you prefer having the crowd in the noise or do you prefer hearing nothing other than 10 or so voices and leather smacking skin oh uh, man i'm a i'm a big noise and big crowd guy i i'm not a practice warrior like i i get my ass kicked in practice by everybody i i can only go so hard in practice i'm just I'm in there to try to get better and learn and have fun. So I hate the practice sparring scenario. Uh, I like it when people are looking and watching and it's loud because I feel like that's the only time I ever want people's eyes are on me um, is, is when I'm fighting is because I, I put, it's the only thing I'm really good at. And I put all this time and effort into it. I want, I want to hear it and I want to feel it, whether it's booze or cheers or whatever. I want to I hear it and I want to feel it. And uh, so for me, it's a disadvantage to – to fight in that silence. But at the same time, I've had fights, uh, ultimate fighter fights where it's been like that. Um, so, uh, I don't know. I thought maybe at some point they would do like a, an audio where they would just have a button. They push and the crowd would be like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> put it right. Yeah. Put it right in the sound system when, when yeah. something big happens. I mean, heading into this fight, it, it, it's hard to like get in the mind of specific fighters, but looking at it on paper, some would feel like you, you're going to have some pressure on you here because, I mean, do you thrive off of that? Because on paper, people say this is a potentially a do or die, do or die fight for you coming in on back-to-back losses. Do you, do you put that kind of pressure on yourself or do you block that all out? I mean, it's, it's hard. You try, to, you try to block it out, but, uh, I mean, it, it's one of those things. It's, it's always do or die. Just because you're on a two-fight losing streak and you lose again doesn't mean they're going to cut you. If you have two losses in a row and you have an awesome fight and you still lose, they might not cut you. Or on the other hand, if you're Gerald Harris and you have a couple wins in a row and they don't like you and they think you're boring, they can cut you anyway. So um, wins and losses doesn't necessarily keep your job. It's 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 how you act. You know, um, I'm lucky enough to be in a good standing with all the people that work in the UFC, like uh, all the people at the PI, uh, the janitors, everybody. Like I, I live in Vegas. I talk to those people, the people that work in the lunchroom. So I have close relationships. And uh, I try not to put the the lost pressure on myself, like oh this is it, because I've been there before. I've been cut by the UFC. Um, it, but you know, like I said, it, it's always do or die for us. We never know when we're going to get fired. We could be fired for no reason. Like we're we're private contractors, so uh, every fight is like that. The pressure is the same on this fight as as any fight. The same as it was when I fought. Dem-
Johnson. Uh, that's they're always the same. It's always it's always do or die. You're always worried about it um, in the back of your mind. How does this thing go down next Saturday against a very exciting newcomer in Brandon Roy Val? Like, what's what's the headline going to read when this thing's over? Uh, you know what? I, I honestly, I, I think he's really talented. I think he's dangerous. Um, but I'm not going to fuck around with him. I'm going to go forward right away. I'm going to get my hands on him, and I'm I'm just going to I'm going to big brother. I'm going to put the squeeze on him. I don't think he's had it uh, hit his man strength yet. Um, I would really just like to rough him up early and, and get in there and get out early. I have to ask you this question before we let you go. And if uh, you guys watching this interview right now haven't seen it, I highly recommend you jump on Tim Elliott's Instagram page because <laughs> you posted a photo of a pair of sandals. And in the middle of these sandals were three words. It was bad mother effort. Like, do you own these sandals? Like, where did you find these things? How did you find these things? Uh, I do own these sandals. They were <laughs> custom made for me. Um, uh, if you go on Instagram, it's at toehold. They're dope flip-flops. Um, yeah, they make custom flip-flops for, uh, you know, Ben Askren has like his pair like famous because that's all he ever wears. Uh, but no, they're super high quality. They, they got a lifetime warranty. You can always go and get them retreaded. But uh, yeah, at toehold uh, on Instagram, man, they're dope flip-flops. Yeah, they look super comfortable. And plus, I mean, how can you ignore bad mother effort it's just impossible they are comfortable but they're it's, it's like a nice leather shoe you got to break it in once it's broken it's amazing but there's a there's a break-in process but uh once they're in it's nice just a crazy story from one of the most exciting fighters in the flyweight division in regards to Asker Askarov and UFC 246, he's going to fight Brandon Royva this Saturday. Big thank you to Tim Elliott for joining the show. That is going to be a fun fight, no doubt about it. As we move ahead to our next guest, he'll be part of another fun fight coming up this Saturday. Let's check in with Roosevelt Roberts ahead of his 155-pound showdown with Brock Weaver this Saturday in Las Vegas. All right, we move ahead to one of the 155-pounders in the UFC that a lot of people have their eyes on these days. going to be taking on Brock Weaver on Saturday in Las Vegas. The go-getter is here, Roosevelt <laughs> Roberts. How are you, sir? Hey, how you doing, sir? Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Uh, we're just days away from this fight, a fight that came together very, very quickly. How excited are you to, to get back in the octagon in just a few days, man? Man, I'm excited. I'm ready to get to it. Um, It's been a... You know, it's been a little a little ride with this COVID nineteen, but um, I'm ready, ready to go, ready to rock and roll. How have you been sort of handling things? Because I know you're supposed to fight Matt Frivola last month at that Lincoln event, and then mm -hmm. uh, you know all of this stuff happened, the event got postponed. But you know, how have you been handling things with training and, and and getting ready and trying to stay in shape and not sitting on the couch and binging on Netflix and and eating a bunch of crappy food this whole time? Well, you know, at first it was it was a bummer you losing that fight. Um, but no, I haven't stopped training. I've been I've been on the grind. Uh, I think the only thing is we minimized my training partners. You know, like it's not we we didn't use a lot of people. We only had like two or three people we was using. Um, but other than that, no, I mean everything we've been we've been on the go, waiting for that call, waiting for everything to get up and running again. So nothing really slowed you down at all. You just minimized things and but stayed in the gym, and nothing really changed for you. Yeah, I mean the first the first when we first found out it got canceled, that first week was um. You know, I took I took a week off, uh, but then I was right back on it. Like, you know, I knew I was going to get a name and then I knew uh, I was going to get a fight. So I was like, I might as well just stay in shape and keep getting ready. Yeah, it's interesting because you got a new fight. He got a new fight. Was there 
any talks of just rescheduling that fight or were there other names thrown your way before you got the Brock Weaver fight? How did that all work? No, man, we were supposed to, well, um, we was, uh, I heard we were supposed to fight again, but he wanted to push it back um, a few weeks into June. I think it was like June 20th or June 27th. And I like, bro, like, I'm not finna be waiting on you. Like, I've been training. I need, like, this is how I feed my family, you know. I don't have no job besides this. I know he got his little thing outside of fighting, but I don't. And so if I don't fight, I don't get paid. So the first thing that they threw my way was fucking, uh, was Brock. So, you know, I'm not going to say no to anybody. You know, they send, they send on that contract. I'm going to accept it. And that's, that's just how it played out. I mean, that's your nickname. You're the go-getter. So if you if a fight's coming in a week and a half, you got to take the fight in a week and a half. We're not waiting until June, right? No, nah, man. But you know what? Even but even after this fight, you know, I still got Favola on my radar. You know, I still need my get back from my brother. And uh, and I'm still going to, you know, we still going to make it happen. So I want to I want to go back around a year or so ago because uh, you were undefeated heading into that fight with Vince Pichel, who is as gritty as they come. And uh, mm-hmm. he was able to pick yeah. up a unanimous decision win and hand you the first loss of your career since your amateur debut, which is really crazy yeah. to, to go back and think about. I'm, I'm sure it was a bummer to lose that fight, but you had to have walked away from that fight with some valuable lessons after spending 15 minutes in a cage with a guy like Vince Pichel, right? Yeah, definitely. Um. You know, shout out to Vince Michelle. You know, he's one hell of a fighter, man. Tough dude. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I, I don't feel like I got beat up, but he he outworked me that night. He he definitely uh he put a little more into it than I did, you know. Um, but I definitely walked away with some with some valuable lesson, you know what I mean? Uh with something I need to find in myself. And you know, that's what I did. You know, I went back to the drawing board, I I watched the fight a thousand times, you know, I criticized myself a thousand times and I got my ass right back in the gym and you know, got right back to it. You know, so now we picked up all the pieces and, you know, we're ready to go. How did you handle that loss? I mean, like like we said, that was your first loss since your AMI debut. That's It's been a long time since you since you suffered a loss. What was that like for you? I mean, you bounced back and, and got back to work. But, you know, from a mental perspective, what was that like for you, like, you know, that day or a couple of days after that? I mean, it was hard, man. It was hard at first. You know, I didn't really want to talk to nobody. People trying to talk to me about a fight. I don't want to hear, like, I'll push them. Like, I don't want to hear that. Like, I didn't want to hear Pachel's name. I didn't want to watch. Like, I just I just was, like, in my own little zone because I knew that I, if I would have pushed myself harder, that I would have been able to win that fight. I knew for I know for a fact, if me and Pachel were running back, I know for a fact he would not outwork me again. But, you know, you know that's just the mistakes I had to learn. You know, I was down for a little bit, um, but I'm never going to be down forever, you know. I'm never going to let it beat me down forever. I'm going to go ahead and look at myself in the mirror Tell myself, okay, you know, you got this time. Go ahead and feel sorry for yourself. But then next week, get your ass back in the gym. Get back to it. Your last fight, you got to travel to Moscow to take on the most experienced guy you face in your career. And Alexander Yakovlev, another another hard, grueling fight for you. This time you were able to get the decision out. Was it kind of like deja vu coming out of that second round? Yeah, man. Yeah, and dude was fucking. I'm sorry for Kurt. I don't know if I could curse Say whatever you want, man. But dude was fucking strong as shit, man. Actually, like, oh my god! Like every time he grabbed onto me, I was like, bro, you are not supposed to be fighting at fifty-five. I don't know why you down here. You're supposed to be at one seventy. Like, and like it was like, but it was good. I mean, when I, when I went to the second round, the only thing I was telling myself was, you know, I just gotta push, gotta push, gotta push. Don't stop, like, cause I think what I did when Pachel fight, I'll get in certain situations, like on the ground or some shit, and I will um. 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't try to really use all my energy to work out of it. You know, I try to like slowly get out. Uh, but yeah, I'll just like make sure I keep pushing, make sure I keep working nonstop moving, you know? Um, but yeah, dude was strong, man. Dude, like even when we was at weigh-ins and he took off his shirt, I started looking at my chest. I'm like, damn, I'm like, what's going <laughs> on? <laughs> like, why, why is he so much bigger than me? You know? Uh, but nah, it was a great fight though. Definitely. You got the win, but I, and you, you sort of alluded to it earlier. You fighters are maybe the toughest critics in sports when it comes to critiquing yourselves and your performances. How did you grade your performance in enemy territory that night? Uh, I give my, I give myself like a, like a seven, seven or eight. My probably, probably like a seven, seven tops. I don't, I don't, I didn't, re- I didn't think I did that good. Um, I wish I could have did better actually. Uh, I think, I think I got a little, I got a little tired and slowed down on my striking. And, you know, I, I when in certain positions I ended up in on the ground, I should have started doing more work. Um, but I did, I did good. He was a tough dude, man. He was a veteran in the sport. So, you know, I mean, the dude fought the champion. Once they have champion, Kamar Usman, you know, he fought some top names. So I think me winning against him was actually pretty good. You know, that was the first time you fought out of the U S right? Yeah. First time, you know, and I had to go away to Russia, you know? So, <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. Yeah. Did you enjoy the experience overall? What did you think of, uh, of, of beautiful Moscow, Russia? Yeah, I love it. I love Moscow, but I hate the food. I hated the food. The food was just, it was just something about the food that just didn't sit right with my stomach, you know? But, um, yeah, I loved it, though. The, everything is nice. Uh, it was a beautiful place, a uh, beautiful country, you know? Um, great people. I ain't really had no bad experience. Uh, I just, you know, there was just, sometimes I ate, a, I, like, I ate this sandwich from this little street ven- like venue, like, uh, store. And it was like, I took a bite. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can't do this. I had to throw it away. I was like, uh-uh. I tried to get one of my coaches. I was like, hey, y'all want this? They're like, nah, I see your face. I don't even want it. Like, oh, <laughs> do you remember yeah. what it was? Nah, I forgot what it was. It was like some type of, like, some type of, like, I don't know. It was like some, some like, meat with, like, wrapped in some type of bread. And But the, it, the meat and the bread wasn't bad, but it was, every, like, the, like, the sauce and stuff they was putting on there, you know? I didn't know what it was, and it just didn't sit right with my taste buds. So I just can't do it. So next time you go to Moscow, you're gonna probably bring your own food or or go to the grocery store. Yeah, no, store. I'm I'm gonna go to McDonald's. Listen, <laughs> their McDonald's out there. I wish our McDonald's was like that. They got chicken wings. They got like everything. Like jalapeno pop. They got everything in their McDonald's. If our McDonald's was like this out here, I swear I would eat McDonald's every day. You'd be fighting at 185 right now. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you get Brock Weaver on Saturday, who, like yourself, opened up a lot of eyes on the Contender Series. And it's it's actually pretty rare that a fighter who gets a decision win gets as much shine as Brock did on that show. But but he did and then had a, a really wacky start to his UFC career with the disqualification win in February at, at that Rio Rancho card. How did you react first off when you got Brock's name? I didn't care. I don't, get, I don't care who they sent to me, you know. I mean, I kind of wanted somebody who'd been in there. A little longer in fighting, but I don't care. I just want to get paid. So you put his name on that contract, you send that contract my way, I'm going to sign it, you know. Um, dude's good. He's a good fighter. It's going to be a great fight. You know, he got the gift of gab. He know how to talk. So, you know, that definitely shot him up a little bit. But, um, you know, when we step in that cage, all that talking, you know, there ain't going to be no more of that. Is he a guy that, that, that you've been familiar with? Have you crossed paths with him before? Or is this going to be like the first time you see him face to face? No, I'm the first time I see him face to face. 
do you kind of prefer things this way? Just getting a short notice fight? Like it didn't matter to you, but you know, let's just put pen to paper. Let's fight in a little over a week. No time to overthink anything. Let's just go in there and fight. Do you sort of prefer it this way as opposed to like an eight to 10 week fight camp? I do not like eight to 10 week fight camp. I'd rather have like a six week fight camp, you know? Um, but no, I kind of, I kind of like to have my coaches study my opponents a little bit. Let them come in the gym, you know, tell me how to do it. But be honest with you, I, I think that fighting Brock is going to be a very basic fight. I mean, he he's a good straight, he's a good boxer, you know. Um, he's tough, and I like there's not really too much we need to worry about, you know. We just need to worry about uh going in there doing what we got to do. I don't know if you were made aware of this at all, you probably didn't because you're not on social media in any way that I could find, but. The cage in the UFC Apex is going to be a 25-footer compared to the usual 30-footers you guys compete in for the UFC. And I know Brock's contender series fight would have been, you know, in this cage, the 25-footer more than likely. Not sure if your contender series fight was in that cage, but yeah. do, you, do you like having the smaller cage? Does this change anything for you? No, it doesn't change. I don't care if it's 15-foot. I don't care what kind of cage it is. As long as we go in there and do our business and I, I get that check afterwards, I'm cool. You know what I'm trying to say? I don't, yeah. I don't care where it's at. You know, um, yeah, I mean, um, at least now I know that we're not going to be moving around a lot more. We got a little more, uh, this a little more smaller, so I know we're not going to be bouncing around. Um, but yeah, it doesn't matter to me. I mean, the contender series care, I think that's the same one, you know? So I'm pretty, I'm pretty used to it. We all know how that fight turned out, so maybe we get a little deja vu once again here. Yeah, definitely. So Brock's... Brock's a little older than you, has has some more professional fight experience than you have, but you obviously have a lot more octagon experience on your yeah. side with it being your fifth UFC fight. How much of a factor do you think that that will play on Saturday? Because there's a difference between, you know, regional fight experience and octagon experience. Man, I, I don't I don't to be honest, I've been fighting to recently I've been fighting a lot of people with like higher experience. Um and that's why I was so excited to fight for Roller, because we're we're like we're on the same type of experience level, you know. Um, but I don't, it don't matter. Experience level don't matter to me. You know, the octagon, it, I don't care if you've been in that octagon 10 times, you know, it doesn't matter. Once you step in there with me, that experience you're going to be in that, the experience that you're going to have is going to be completely different. You know, uh, with every fight, with every fight you step in there with is always going to be different. So yeah, I'm just looking forward to it. How do you see this all going down? How do you get back on a, on another win streak when you face Brock Weaver this weekend? I see it going down. He's going to get a knockout submission. Um, I do. I haven't got a, a, a stoppage or since my uh, Horcher fight, so I'm definitely going there looking uh, hungry, ready to take, uh, tear his head off, or tear his head off. You know, make it happen. So I have to know why no social media, like no Twitter that I could see, no Instagram that I could see. Like no, I, don't I, even know. I, got, I got Instagram. I don't have Twitter. I do have Instagram. It's um, it's at the Predator underscore Roberts. Oh, okay. I can't find. I couldn't yeah. find you anywhere. Yeah, Sneaky and then, yeah, because you know I'm not really like I'm more I'm more to myself, you know. I like I like to just I'm not really into like just being out there, you know. I mean, I grew up like that, just grew up being to myself and stuff. So I'm not really I like you won't see me posting a lot. I probably post every few months, you know, like a few weeks or something like that. Um, or you can find me on uh Facebook at Ro Roberts, you know. So yeah, I'm I'm on there, but it's just it's just if I'm feeling like I want to like be on there for a while or you know. You're just sliding under the radar, getting your yeah, stuff in, like, doing what we need to do for the UFC. But that's that's it. Just staying staying out of the public eye, really, and doing your doing your thing. Yeah, I, I, I wish I wish I didn't have to be in the public eye. I wish I could just fight, get paid, and go back home to my. You feel me? That's it. 
But you know, it is part of the game, so I gotta love it regardless. There you go. Is it? Do, do you feel like this is gonna be a, an active year for you with everything going on in the world? Like Dana White said, he's gonna try to give everyone on the roster a chance to fight three to four times this year. Is that something that you're hoping to do? Definitely, I'm definitely looking to fight. Uh, I want to get on that island after this fight. So hopefully, this fight goes smooth and I get right on that island. You know, uh, I got I got a name, and it's not Favola, but I'm not gonna say it right now because you know, oh, come I gotta, on, I can't. But just know. If you be my first interview, I would let you know, you know. But uh, I can't tell you right now. I can't say it. I can't. Are you gonna say it. say it in the cage after the win? I'm definitely gonna say it in the cage after the win. But we can talk <laughs> about it way more after though. <laughs> uh, all right, all right. Fair enough, fair enough. But it's not for Vola. No, it's not for Vola. It's actually, it's actually, it's actually, it's gonna be a good fight. Once I, I can't, you know, you trying to get I'm trying. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'm poking, I'm poking it, Brian. But all right, man. I know you're I know you're uh, getting ready to go train. I appreciate the time yeah. very much. The fight's coming up very soon. I'm really looking forward to it. Roosevelt Roberts taking on Brock Weaver in Las Vegas. Uh UFC on ESPN nine, I believe we are calling this event. And uh what a fight this is gonna be at 155 pounds. Roosevelt, I appreciate the time. We're gonna have to find you all you on social media Thank now that, that you've let the world know about it. And uh, all the best to you this week and on Saturday night, man. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Great stuff right there from the Go-Getta or the Predator. Multiple nicknames for Roosevelt Roberts. Great stuff from him ahead of his fight with Brock Weaver in Las Vegas this Saturday. Really looking forward to that one. Now, next weekend, Anthony Rocco Martin prepares for the biggest fight of his career against Neil Magny at UFC 250. And you may be thinking to yourself, he fought Damian Maya. That was a much bigger fight. Not to Rocco Martin for a variety of reasons, as he explains in this conversation right now on What the Heck. All right, we're being joined right now by a man who is finally going to get a fight. And I say this because I've been bugging him for like two months now, asking him what's going on, what's going on. And last week, things were heating up with the potential matchup with Neil Magny. And at UFC 250 on June 6th, this fight is going to happen, and it's a big one for Anthony Rocco Martin for a number of reasons. And he joins us right now, live from Las Vegas, Nevada. Rocco, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, buddy. How about yourself? I'm doing great. It's good to have you here. Let's just get one thing out of the way right off the bat. I hear that you are in agreement with Tyson Chartier, your coach, about his remarks that I look like Rob Corddry. Is that accurate? I, I agree. I do agree. <laughs> it was also, it was also, I was telling him it's your, um, the subtle like expressions that you guys like move a little bit, the way you guys, it's something the way you guys move a little bit as well as where I feel like is the most noticeable. Yeah. None of us can really like sit still. So I can, I kind of see where you're coming from. Everyone, everything has to move a little bit. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) but I, uh, I'll give you that one. This is not, now it's two people who think that, but I know you're excited for this fight, but I guess, the excitement aside, how relieved are you that a fight has finally been booked with Neil Magny or anybody at this point? And it was tough. It was a, it was a, it's a wild ride, you know, thinking that because I was scheduled to fight on the 25th, but I thought I was going to slide in on the 18th. Um, and then obviously, but I was thinking the 9th, 13th, or 16th. And they're like, all right, you're fighting the, you're fighting the 25th. I'm like, all right, I'm or the 23rd. They're like, you're fighting April 23rd. Then April 23rd gets moved to April 30th. Now they're like, all right, you're definitely fighting. We want you to fight on the 30th. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready to fight. Just tell me, just give me an opponent. And then they're running into trouble with Ramadan uh, with a couple of guys turning down the fight. 
So I was like, this isn't good. And then my manager finally called me. He's like, listen, they offered the fight to Neil for the 30th. So I'll let you know. Then he texts me. He's like, and I text him. I'm like, what? hey, what's going on? We're coming up on close to two weeks to this fight. He's like, June 6th, done deal. So then I called him because I'm confused. I'm thinking the 30th. Uh, so I call him. I'm like, what's what's going on now? I'm confused. Is this, is this real or and then I started getting contracts in the mail or in my email. So I get contracts. UFC starts reaching out for flights. So I'm like, hey, this ain't this ain't done deal. So I was pretty jacked up. I'm happy, man. I think it's the exact fight I think I deserve, and that uh, is can really push me to the to the next level. I mean, you had told me there, and you sort of alluded to that there were some different things discussed for you. So it's not like things were not attempted by the UFC, but much like I was bugging you, asking you what the hell was going on, how much did you and your team annoy your good friend Sean Shelby trying to get on one of these cards? Oh, I, I think there was one point where I think my, my manager was like, I, I'm not going to reach out to Sean for a little bit here. Got, <laughs> I got to stop. I got to stop uh, reaching out to him because he's, uh, I think he's getting a little annoyed with me. So I was like, Oh, okay. But then it was weird that all of a sudden, like, two days later, he's like, I think we got you a fight. And, but then I, that fight fell through. And then, uh, so it was good. It was good. He was definitely, he was definitely probably getting a little annoyed. But that's, my job is to fight. My job is to get a fight and to go out there and perform. So I'll do whatever I have to. If I got to keep calling him and annoying him, at least he knows I want to fight. Because I even tried to jump in on the, the, uh, the hall fight. When uh, Jacare got pulled out, I was like, listen, I'll come down there and fight if you want to switch the fight to Wednesday or Saturday, and I'll come down and do this. Because that's how I, I just needed to fight. I was just like, listen, I'm training. I'm ready to go. It's uh, anyone, anywhere. So that was that was that's where I was at. Was there any movement on that suggestion? Nah, said no right away. <laughs> he's like, nah. He's like, ah, I'm gonna, he's like no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get you a fight. All right, just, just relax. I'm going to get you a fight. So how is that relationship with Sean Shelby these days? That relationship has been pretty rocky over the years. You've talked about it before, but one of the things you wanted to do was repair that damage that you had caused a couple of years back. How has that process been, you know, going over the last six or seven months or so between you and Sean? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a process. I think that uh, it's, a, it's a process that I got to keep pushing, you know, and to keep, uh, uh, just keep on that good side, you know. It's sometimes, uh Maybe in the past where you always think it's everyone versus you, and I, now I know now I realize that I need to, I need Sean on my side if I want to go where I want to go. So I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep just go out there whip some ass on uh, June 6th, put on an exciting show, and this is my last fight of contract as well. So hopefully you know Sean enjoys it and that we could uh, work something out and get a get a good deal going and and really start making a push uh, push at the end of the year into going into 2021. This reminds me a lot of the Lorenz Larkin situation because he stepped in on the last fight of his deal on short notice in August of 2016. One fight left on his deal, took a short notice fight with Neil Magny at UFC 202 and went in there and delivered what many believed was the best performance of his entire career, finished Neil in the first round and then went into free agency. Were you aware of that similarity that you have with Lorenz Larkin and how coincidental this all is? I did not know that, no, but. But my goal is to be in the UFC, you know what I mean? My goal is to be the UFC champion, not be in the UFC. But my goal is to be the UFC champion. So as long, you know, I, I've told people many times, as long as I feel like I could be a champion, I'll, I'll stay, I'm trying to stay in the UFC. But uh, second, I feel like my dreams are gone of being UFC champion, then, I, then I'm 
uh, a little bit more willing to test free agency and, and really see what my worth is. So this is the first time that you're, you're going into a last fight on your deal. Is that right? Or have you been no, there exactly. before? I've done it. I think I've done it once or twice already. And every time I back, I, I back them, they back me into a corner. I come out fighting. So, uh, I put on a hell of a show. I think that Jake Matthews was my last fight on my contract. Uh, so that was a big one. And then what was the fight? It was the fight right before Abed Mercer was my last fight of the contract as well. So I usually, once they back me in the corner like this, I put on my best performance. And this is a big one, man. This is, a, this is the one that I've been looking for. It's the opportunity I needed. And I, I don't know how they could even think about letting me go if I run Magni over. So, so how would you describe the feeling right now? You know, you're fighting a perennial top 15 guy. That's big enough. One of the biggest names you fought in your career, and then combined with the fact that this is the last fight on your deal, is it is it nerves, excitement? Like, how would you describe it right now? I would say more excitement. You know, I, I, I know that it's a big opportunity. You know, I think it's a. It's not even. I'm not saying a big opportunity because because by saying that I feel like I, I'm giving I'm getting a favor, but I, I genuinely feel like this is the fight I deserve. It's a fight that I've earned, and uh, so I'm excited that I've taken the right steps to be be where I'm at and put myself in this this situation. And re realistically, everything's in my control now. You know, what I mean, uh, everything's in my control. So it's like, do you want a new contract? or we'll go out there and whoop some ass. You, you want a new contract, go show them what you're worth. And, and really just puts me in a great spot where I feel like uh, I will back his ass that they have to, they have to give me, they got to come at the table with something that, that, that sounds good. You know, they got to come up with that, that nice ribeye. So uh, <laughs> I think I'm being like, I think that everything's in my hands, you know, it's in my control. I rather, I rather feel like I'm in control of my own destiny than, than feel like I'm relying on Sean or, or relying on someone else. So, like we said at the top, you're in Vegas right now. Your fight's not for another week and a half plus as we record this. Is there a reason why you guys headed out there so early? Yeah, well, I mean, we have uh, – we're just going to start using the PI. I got Tyson out here, comes in tonight. And then I got my, my longtime coach, Brock Larson, and then Jakal will come out next week. Uh, we just thought that it would be nice just to come out here and get a little change of scenery since I was stuck up in Atlanta for so long and then uh, – so get a little change for these last two weeks, use the PI as much as we can. And uh, really now it's just about staying healthy. I've been training for like 14, 15 weeks straight for this fight. So I, it's kind of like not to be, not to stay in Atlanta and get burnt out and, and try to think about the fight too much to come out here, enjoy, enjoy, get some sun. Uh, and then just maybe go on some hikes later at night and, and really just enjoy, enjoy these last two weeks before the fight. So how is the PI? I know they opened up last week as we record, and they've yeah. been sort of spacing things out. And now you got fighters in town getting ready for this Saturday that are going to be using it from time to time. Do you know like how the schedule is going to work to to get you guys in there? How's that all going to play out? So from what I've heard, originally it was going to be anyone that doesn't isn't in fight week would be mornings, and then fight week would be nighttime. But then I I just heard uh, Tyson just reach out again that uh, fighters anyone that is once you enter fight week, you're not going to be able to use the PI. So it's not like the PI is going to go to them. So, uh, so no, the, 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 the guys that are going to fight on the 30th won't be on the PI. It sounds like. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, uh, you're staying in an Airbnb, I take it yeah, staying in the in background Airbnb until, until Monday, then, then I'll be in the host hotel. Um, so I'll, yeah, we got a nice little 
Tyson was dead set on needing a, uh, uh, he's like, we need a hot tub. I'm like, Tyson, we're, we're in Vegas, you know, right? It's supposed to be 100 degrees every day. He's like, no, we need that. So, so me and Brock are here yesterday, and we're playing cards outside. We're both burning out. And I'm just like, Tyson, and then at nighttime comes, and it gets a little cooler, but like, last thing I'm going to do when it finally gets cool is get in a fucking hot tub. <laughs> so he's like, so I don't know. Tyson may be the only one in this hot tub here, but. But it's good. We got a nice little setup. We got some bags over here, cornhole, and uh, you know, a nice little setup in the house. So, so I'm excited. So next Saturday, you're going to fight Neil Magny. Lost that fight to uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio in that main event in November of 2018. Was finished in the fourth round. Then he had the USADA thing happen, which he was cleared of in the end, which is great for him. He was out for over a year, and then he returned in March. And in my opinion, he looked fantastic against Li Jingliang. You know, what did you make of that performance in March after 15 or so months away from the octagon for Neil? I mean, honestly, I feel like it's the first thing that pops into my head. And I feel like most people's head when you heal, you, you hear Neil Magnus big and good cardio. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's tall with good cardio. And uh, I don't think he's got the greatest boxing. I don't think he's got the greatest kickboxing or he doesn't have a skill set other than cardio where I feel like he's at an elite level. You know what I mean? So I think that that, that matches up very well with my skill set. Anyone where I feel like you're not a specialty, I think that uh, uh, it matches up very well. Um, he's a very good fighter that can overwhelm you. you know what I mean, I think he overwhelms a lot of his fighters, and that's how he gets a lot of his victories. Is he just overwhelms you with 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 constant constant activity. And uh, I have a game plan for that. You know, I got a game plan set in place for that, and I think that. It's gonna bring out the best fight of me. You know, I, I normally like to fight on the outside, you know. So it's a fight where I feel like I probably won't be able to stay on the outside the whole time. And uh it'll be a, a different type of fight that I've had. But I think I think it's gonna be an exciting fight because just his style of fighting is gonna bring out the best of me and it's gonna bring out I don't think he's gonna be in a boring fight because he's got so much pressure, so much constant activity that you're forced to fight the, the the entire 15 minutes. So I'm excited, man. I think it's a great matchup for me. I, 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 I've wanted this fight for a long time. Um, and I think he knows I've wanted this fight. He, he used to, he, we used to, we met a couple times down in now. We found the same cards in Brazil and we talked a little bit, really nice guy. You know what I mean? And, uh, then when I went up 70, obviously I'm looking at the top 15, he's in the top 15. So I'm chasing anyone that's top 15. And so I brought up his name a few times and, he went on social media, um, uh, unfollowed me right away, and, and so I, I know he can act like he's he doesn't know who I am or or doesn't act like he's been following me or not. But he he's definitely was was hearing what I was saying, and, and he's never called for the fight, never wanted the fight. So I'm I'm, I'm excited. I think that um, it's a perfect fight for me, perfect time too. You mentioned the, the sort of the size discrepancy here because, I mean, you look at it on paper, he's got the three inches of height on you. He's got that 80-inch reach, and obviously that's going to be a big advantage on paper here. Have you have you fought someone who has had that kind of a reach advantage before? Because kind of like going back, you either have the longer reach or, you know, in the rare occasions that you didn't, it was like two, two and a half inches or so. This is like six and a half or seven. No, I definitely think that this is by far the biggest guy I've fought here. It's – uh. <laughs> I fought one guy and I was like 6'1", 6'2", at 55, actually. But other than that, I was like 6'3". So it's it's going to be a different uh, experience, you know, getting in there with the guy with such long arms. But I think that he, he's not the greatest 
boxer. You know what I mean? Like he's not the greatest at using that full 80. Like he'll use length because he knows he's long. You know what I mean? But I don't think he, he uses it as to a, a, such a significant advantage that it would be much different than, than a normal fight. If I just, you know, it's just might be a spot where I got to be in a little bit closer than normal, you know, cause I'm, I feel like I'm always, like you said, the longer one and I'm fighting from the outside. I'm trying to always hit, not be hit. Cause I feel like that's the name of the game, but uh, this one, I'm going to get hit. I already know I'm going to the fight. I know, I know he's going to hit me and I just got to be prepared for that mentally and get in there and uh, slug it up. Are you excited to fight in that empty arena sort of setup? Hear the the leather hit skin, hear all the coaches, hear all the commentators. You excited for that, for that different environment? It's gonna be different. It's gonna be different. I've never I've never fought on something like that. So it's gonna be I mean, Brock will talk a little crap and be like, Well, you fought the first night about five times, so it's pretty much no one in that arena. <laughs> That's what he says to me all the time. But uh no, I don't know if there'll be much difference with uh once you're actually in there, I think it'll be weird once you're going into the cage and no one's there. It's so kind of quiet and you can hear everyone talking and then leading up until that bell rings. And then I think it's just going to be a fight. You know what I mean? It's going to be a fight or, or I've been telling people just a high glorified training session. You know what I mean? So it's, uh, I'm excited, man. I think, I don't know. I don't know if we'll be able to hear it. Cause everyone, you can hear the strikes. I've been watching on the TV. It's pretty cool. Like where every time you hear a strike, you can hear it, you know, and you're like, Ooh, shit. I might actually hurt a little bit. And, uh, so I don't know if I'll be able to hear my strikes if I'm landing or, or, or how that works, but I'm excited to get in there and, and scrap it out against, like you said, a, a, a legitimate top 15 fighter. And that's been around as being a couple world champions. And I just think that everything's lined up for this moment in my life. I don't know if you saw this or not, but you guys are going to be fighting in a, in a little bit smaller cage than you're accustomed to be fighting. Do you think that plays yeah. into things a little bit more and to your advantage because of yeah, the, the size that, discrepancy? Yeah, I definitely think that plays into my advantage. You know, I think that, uh, I think he has to fight me from the outside if he wants to win. You know, I, I don't think, I, I know that there's no way he's a better grappler than me and that I don't think he's got the power I have. So I think a smaller cage definitely plays into Mostly, mostly if I feel like I got to start pressuring, you know, if I got to really pressure him to get after him, that it's a lot easier to cut corners and, and to cut off the cage. And it definitely plays a part in, uh, uh, in this fight. I, you know, I don't want to hear his excuses afterwards or nothing, but he, he might be using this one as an excuse, you know. <laughs> You've uh, you've obviously had some 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 big and important fights in your career. I, I think the Johnny Case one sticks out because there was like a ton of bad blood there. It was a fight yeah. that was like a couple of years in the making. Of course, the Damian Maya one was probably the biggest name that you've shared the octagon with. But with all things considered, last fight uh, on your deal and everything, is yeah. this a bigger? Is this the biggest fight of your career? Even more so than the Maya one? This, this is by far the biggest fight of my career. This is uh, the most meaningful fight of my career up to this point, and. Uh, Obviously, if you want to, I would have beat Damien, it would have been, you know, everything would have been a little different story right now. But, uh, but at this moment in my life, this is by far my biggest fight, my biggest opportunity. And, um, uh, I'm excited, man. I, I, this is, this is my moment. I really think that I've done, I've taken the right steps to get to this moment. I've, I've taken the right steps in my training, uh, for this, this moment. And it's really just, everything's in my control now to go out there and, uh, 
control my own destiny and I, I couldn't be more excited for that type of uh, uh, opportunity and that type of not stress, but that, that, that type of pressure, you know what I mean? I, 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 that, that, that's the type of pressure I like is where I know that it's in my control now. You know what I mean? It's not, I'm not out here going to beg for a fight or, or I'm trying to talk my way into a fight. I, I know I'm in a, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm set up for battle against a legitimate top 15 and, and uh it's now it's my my time to prove to the world that that i belong here and, and that uh 2020 and 2021 is my year so now that you have this control of your destiny what's sort of this uh scenario that you've laid out for yourself beginning with next saturday june 6th ufc 250 and then sort of the aftermath that will come with that what's that sort of scenario that you've laid out for yourself heading into into fight week next week well, for right now I'm just gonna enjoy these next two weeks, you know, and train train here, and then uh, just enjoy the time with my my uh, coaches from all over, man. We got we got uh, three corners of the U.S. here with the uh, uh, Midwest, uh, East Coast, and, and down south. So I just I'm looking for that West Coast trainer now. But uh, uh, outside that, I'm just gonna enjoy the process. I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna whoop Neil Magny's ass. That's for sure. And I think that. If I'm definitely not, if I'm not ranked in the top 15 after I whoop Neil Magny's ass, then I think that they're crazy. I think I don't, I don't know what's going on with the rankings at that point. And there, then it's time for you know uh, a manager and Sean to get together and, and work out a legitimate deal. But I, I don't really want to sign a deal unless they they have an opponent. You know, what I mean, I don't want to fight anyone outside the top 15 because I just think that'd be um, regression instead of progression. You know, so it's at this point in my career, it's all about progression. And one step forward, and really everything starts on June 6th, uh, is just that first step forward and, and just in control of, obviously then I control everything, you know, because if I want to stay, I can stay. If I don't want to stay, I, I don't have to stay. If, they, if I don't feel like they're giving me the right fights, then there's no point in me staying, you know. So realistically, I just need the, the right opponent is kind of the only thing that uh, I'll be looking for in the, the new contract negotiation. So I'm not going to. The money to me is a secondary, secondary thing, but uh, obviously I don't want to be ripped off. But I, 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 money to me is secondary. You know, it's definitely I'm focused on uh, being the UFC champion, and that needs to be a progression in opponents. So that that's going to be the main key after this. So you're hoping, you know, you don't want to really explore. I mean, if you have to explore other options, you will. But ideal situation, yeah. you win. You know, you and Sean pop a bottle of bubbly, verbally agree to to stick it around, and then obviously depending on the fights presented, you want to stick around and, and be a champion in the UFC, not, not 100%. Yeah. 100%. That's, that's my goal. And I think that, uh, this is the great fight for, this is a great fight for that because I, I know that some, some heat's been on me about being a little bit boring, maybe in the past and that I've maybe play it safe a little bit. And it's hard not to play it safe. If you feel like you're winning, you know what I mean? Like it, it's hard. Like, oh, my game plan's working. And it's the game plan. My coaches have set up. So I'm listening to my coaches and now you're saying that it's boring because I'm winning and then I still don't take more chances to, to, to do what, you know? So that, that part, mostly when there's so much on the line for a win, you know, it's like you lose, you lose a close fight to Damian Maya. What happens? Nothing. Like you, you literally, you go, you're going to Russia to fight someone that no one knows of. That's tough as hell. And, uh, so it's like, you, uh, but you win against Damien, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're what, top 10, fighting the top 10 guy? So that's a huge drop-off, you know what I mean? So you, you can say what, they can say what they want, but losing in this sport is huge, you know what I mean? But I, I'm gonna, this fight's going to be exciting. I know that for a fact, just because I know the way that 
Neil Magny approaches his fight game and how he fights. And I think stylistically, it's a it, it's made for a very exciting fight. Yeah, it's a good one for that card. Uh, last thing for Lego, I'd be remiss because it's Mother's Day. Just just came and went. How is how is your mom doing? Because I know that was a big thing heading out of your last fight. You had a great post fight speech about her. There was a lot of pictures on social media. You guys hanging out and doing all these incredible things together. How is she doing? Yeah, she's doing well, man. She's doing good. She's uh, I mean, she's a little not depressed, but a little sad, obviously, because she's stuck in the house, man. You know, the last thing you want to do is be like, know that time is clicking and that. Uh, you can't do anything or go enjoy yourself. And everyone's telling her that she's crazy because she's on chemo pills and stuff right now until they stop working. But then, uh, so it's like her immune system's down. So obviously I was a little worried about her getting Corona as well. So I'm telling her mom, you gotta stay home, stop messing around. Uh, cause I, so I haven't even been visiting her either. Cause I don't want to be getting on the airplane and going right to her. And then last thing I want to do is feel like the guy that killed their mom, you know? And, uh, so that part sucks a little bit, but I think that everything's going to start, we're, we're coming around the corner now. And I think that obviously I'm about to fight. So um, it'd be nice to be able to, to, to take her somewhere. Or at least I'm going to go visit her for sure. After this one, I, I have to mostly with uh, the UFC doing all these tests on us with uh, the COVID, which will be nice to know something they're going to do on maybe before the fight even, or something like that to, to, to test us to see. That'd be nice just to know after that, I'd feel kind of safe. I'll be safe in the airport. And then, Obviously, I'm a, it's time for me to go see my mom and my my daughter. Yeah, it looks like you're going to get two swabs up the nose, tickling the brain from from everything I read. You're going to get one like right when you get there at the hotel, and then yeah, I think yeah. you get one right after weigh-ins, like the night before the fight. So yeah, it doesn't look pleasant the way how hard <laughs> I think that thing up there. Yeah, I, I don't envy you at all in in that sense, but uh, I do envy the fact that you're getting a big fight on a big card, June 6, UFC 250. Anthony Rocco Martin taking on Neil Magny, last fight on your deal, and appreciate the time, man. Enjoy the rest of your trip out in Vegas, and uh, all the best to you for the next week and a half or so, and in the fight on Saturday, man. Yes, sir, man. Thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll we'll chat after this. Big fight for Anthony Rocco Martin taking on Neil Magny next Saturday at UFC 250. Big fight in terms of rankings and a big fight because this is the last fight on his deal and a win over a guy like Neil Magny would be huge for him. No doubt about that as he heads into free agency potentially. Maybe he gets a deal signed. Maybe him and Sean Shelby share a bottle of bubbly and get that thing taken care of. But uh, as you heard and as you probably know, Rocco Martin and Sean Shelby... Not the uh, best of relationships over the year, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, especially if Anthony Rocco Martin gets a big win and a big performance next weekend. As we wrap things up with the newest member, literally, of the UFC roster, we confirmed on Tuesday that Kevin Holland's quick turnaround was no more due to an injury, and hours later we found out that Gabriel Green will step in on five days' notice this Saturday night to fight Daniel Rodriguez. Here is my conversation from literally moments ago as we record this with gifted Gabriel Green. All right, let's check in with literally the newest member of the UFC roster. He steps in on short notice this Saturday to take on Daniel Rodriguez in Las Vegas. Welcome to the UFC, Gabriel Green. How are you, sir? Man, I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Have you allowed yourself to take in those words at all, welcome to the UFC, or has it just been so chaotic every, getting everything ready for Saturday, you haven't had time to to really let it settle in yet? 
Um, it honest, I think it's going to sell in after, after I get that dub, <laughs> it's, it's, everything's moving pretty fast. And, um, like, you know, they got me moving around. I had a bunch of medicals to get done. Got all those done yesterday. I was moving around a lot just, you know, cause it was super last minute. They kept me up at four, four in the morning. My coach called me and he's like, we're going. So then we all jumped in a car, drove straight to Vegas and had a bunch of work to do. <laughs> so we found out Tuesday morning that Kevin Holland was out of the fight suffered an injury while in training. And then hours later, we found out that you were in. Can you sort of walk us through what Tuesday was like for you and how you even entered this equation? Yeah, I mean, just uh, basically, we, uh, my coach hit me up Monday night and was like, like, how's your weight? And um, I was like, I mean, it's good. I, I can make weight like anytime. So what's up? And then he was like, just um, be ready. We, there might be something, uh, it might be something really soon. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm ready. Just let me know. And then basically Tuesday morning, it turned out to be a lot sooner than we all thought we got the call. So we just all jumped in the truck and just bounced over here to Vegas. So for those who are hearing your voice for the first time, you have won your last six fights. You're nine and two as a pro. You fought for the likes of Bellator, Kombacha Americas. And I think you've been to one decision in your entire career. And that was in your amateur debut. I'm curious since this is the first time we've been talking, how did you find this crazy sport? If you don't mind me asking. I mean, I just, I grew up, I was always a, a fan of fighting. Uh, I didn't actually like, formally training till I was in college and had like a job to, to pay for it. Cause my fans, uh, my fam wasn't a big fan of it, of me trying to, what they say, bash my brains in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as soon as I was able to afford, um, the gym membership and the classes myself, I jumped into it. Uh, and then just, it's been going ever since. Throughout your career, you have been incredibly active. All 11 of your pro fights have happened since April of 2016, but this is going to be your first fight in almost two years. I know you're supposed to fight for Bellator in January, but what led to such a long layoff for you and having to miss all of 2019? Uh, so in uh, my last, the last fight that I competed in, I broke my head. Um, winning that that championship belt, so I had to go to the doctors and get X-rays and all that stuff. And um, while I was in there, my shoulder had been bugging me for a very long time. And I was like, I mean, I, I'm one of those people who don't go to the doctor for much. So I was in there. I was like, you know what? You mind checking out um, the shoulder, making sure it's all right. And then uh, they did some tests, and it turns out it was, uh, it was a lot more messed up than I than I could even imagine. So I had to get a uh, get a shoulder surgery. So I was on a wait list for that for a long time. And then, um, once I got that shoulder surgery, I had to do a bunch of rehab and make sure it was all good to go. And then, uh, yeah. And then as soon as I was, I was good to go and I got the, the, the green light to start training and practicing again and competing again, uh, I had to pull out of that, uh, January fight, uh, because of another injury mishap during practice. So that sucked. But, um, and then I was, as soon as my rib was good, I was wanting, I wanted to get back into everything and uh, go again. Cause I mean, you know, like you mentioned, I was fighting all the time. I really love fighting more than anything, like greatest thing I've ever done. So I just like, you know, going out there and putting on a show for people and um, I want to do it all the time, but yeah, unfortunately I had to, to take some breaks from it and uh, I was trying to jump back into it and then Corona happened and then <laughs> like, I had to take another little pause from it. But then now I got this opportunity because of Corona, probably like most likely, you know, and um, just kind of happy that Corona happened, I guess. How long do you think you were, you were fighting with that shoulder injury? 
Um, honestly, it was probably, I used to play football, um, in high school and, um, I messed up both of my shoulders pretty bad. And, uh, I'm pretty sure it's just from that. Uh, and I just like my entire fight career, I was fighting with it, but I could like, I saw the progression of my left shoulder, just like every like month of training, just like, it just felt a little, a little, little more off until like at the end when I was, uh, going to do fights i was really like just not even using my left arm in practices we were saving it for fights like <laughs> just trying to keep it as good as possible for the actual competition so you see like in baseball you see pitchers out for a year 18 months and they get like tommy john surgery and they think it's like the worst thing in the world and then when they come back they feel and they perform better than ever do you feel better than you've ever felt in your career now that you've had your shoulder all fixed up and and gotten through oh, those yeah. injuries it's dramatic. I have more pop in my left shoulder than I've ever had. Like since I've started fighting, it's ridiculous. It's like, I actually have two arms now. <laughs> it to be awesome. I know you were healing up and everything. And that was the, you know, the, the thing at the top of the list that you needed to take care of, but has it been sort of bizarre and strange mentally for you to go so long without a fight? I think this is the longest layoff you've had. I think the longest layoff you've had in your career is like four or five months or something like that. Yeah, no, this was a uh, super bizarre. Like it's, cause I mean, I honestly like love fighting. It's uh, and then like you know, I'm still around the gym when I'm injured, and I, it it seems like imagine like you know you was with a girl, and then you guys had like a uh, you guys decided to take a break, but you still see her around town all the time, and you just like you're just like ah, oh, like I remember when I used to do that, or you know, that's that's basically what it felt like. Uh, so it's just like a longing to be back. I'm just, I'm so happy that I have this opportunity to fight again more than anything. I mean, it's super dope that it's with the UFC like that. Shh, take that all day. It's, you know, the top of the top right now. So that's where I want to be. But yeah, I'm just happy to fight in general. You mentioned your family wasn't overly thrilled with you getting into fighting. And, you know, like you said, uh, having your head busted. Um, how have they reacted to the news that, that all this work, all this time you put into something that, Maybe they weren't too sure about early on. You've you've reached sort of the pinnacle in, in fight sports in terms of making the promotion that that is the number one in the world. How have they reacted to it? They they're super they're super excited. Like when I walked into uh, when I walked into uh, when I got that phone call, I was asking my parents. When I walked into the room, I woke them up. I was like, I'm going to the UFC, and they were just like they were wilding out just like me. It was <laughs> it was pretty awesome. They they honestly they 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 weren't a really big fan of it at the beginning, but then, you know, they saw me go through my amateur career and I was doing really good and they saw me go pro and I was doing really good. And they just like, you know what? They're like, uh, they really wanted me to be a doctor. So they're just like, I mean, you're not a doctor, but at least you're doing what you love and you're good at it. So they're, you know, they're proud of me and they backed me up hundred percent. That's awesome. How, how relieving was that for you knowing that you had their blessing after all this time? we grew up in a family that's super tight, super tight knit, uh, really family oriented. So to have my family backing me up, it's, it's pretty amazing. Uh, it is a real, it is a little weird that they're not here with me though. Cause usually they're, you know, uh, I'm a pretty good ticket seller and I have a, like, uh, usually a whole bunch of people that are going to be, you know, at the fight cheering me on and stuff like that. So not having them there is going to be a little weird, but I think, I think I'm a do I still. You're going to fight Daniel Rodriguez and it's super short notice. So the opponent almost doesn't even matter at this point, I assume. But, you know, what are these next couple of days going to be like for you in terms of preparing for Daniel? Will you even have time to to prepare for the fighter himself? 
Um, I mean, like we checked out some videos. We saw what he does. I was actually supposed to fight him back in um, 2018. Uh, I scheduled to fight him after I, I won that belt, but I broke my hand in the fight. And then it turned out my shoulder was a lot more messed up than I thought it was. So I had to pull out of that one. Uh, so we had already kind of looked at him a while back. I mean, he's progressed as a fighter a little bit, but you know, still <laughs> just happy to have the opportunity to fight in the first place. So we take anyone on at this point. Um, uh, it's cool that it's Daniel cause we already, you know, are a little more familiar with him than anything, almost kind of perfect. So, but more than anything, we're just making sure that I'm sharp instead of worrying about the opponent. Exactly. You mentioned sort of the, the chaotic part of all this, you know, coming back from the injuries and being in the middle of a, of a global pandemic, but from like a preparation standpoint, is it nice to just sort of just get right into this thing? Like get in the truck, go to Vegas, medical test, hit the scale, go fight. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there, there is some kind of perks to it. It does feel kind of nice. There's like, you know, I, I'm someone who works out a lot in general. And, um, I think I go into fights almost overtrained sometimes. So, you know, like the fact that a pandemic was going on. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm training a little less than I normally do just cause I don't have access to a whole bunch of stuff. So I, I think by like default, it's almost impossible for me to be overtrained for this fight, which is a good thing, you know? Um, and then it definitely feels good, you know, like just to, go out there and not really have to, you know, worry about anything, you know, mentally going to anything. It's just like, all right, we're going to go fight. I love to fight. So I'm just like, all right, cool. Let's skip all the other stuff and let's just get straight to fight week. Do you feel like you're essentially playing with house money right now that there's very little pressure on you? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm just, I'm just happy to be here more than anything. <laughs> I just want to fight. How, how about the empty arena stuff? Are you looking forward to, to competing there, how's that going to feel? Have you had a chance to sort of visualize what that might look like? You know what? From what I've seen on uh, the other fights that happened, you know, the, the previous weekends, I I kind of like that there's no crowd. I like how it like it sounds and it looks like on on the on television. Um, I, I like that it's real quiet because that's I mean that's more like what the gym is in any um, anyways. You know, like we're in there just like a small uh, amount of people just doing our thing. So I feel like I feel like that's actually a good thing. So how do you get this done on Saturday? What can fans expect from gifted Gabriel Green when you step in the octagon for the first time this weekend? Um, expect fireworks. You know, I go out there, I do my thing. I only been uh, the distance one time and it was the worst feeling of my life standing there with my hand down, you know, waiting to see if it was going to get raised or not. It's a lot, lot better feeling when you know like your hand's gonna get raised so after that i was like you know forget this i'm gonna get my hand raised every time or i'm gonna know my hand's gonna be raised every time i ain't gonna i ain't gonna no decision judges can kind of just you know take take a break take a water water break bathroom break whatever it definitely ain't going the distance i'm i don't know if it's gonna be a knockout i don't know if it's gonna be a sub i just know it's not going all the way There you have it, Gabriel Green, wrapping up a crazy packed edition of What the Heck on MMAfighting.com. A lot going on in the world of MMA, and the UFC returns after a brief hiatus, one whole week, this Saturday at the UFC Apex, headlined by Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns. Big fight at 170 pounds, and I'm looking forward to that fight and the entire event. I know it's not the sexiest fight card on paper, but there's some really interesting matchups on this card. A lot of of 50-50 fights, so that makes things very interesting from a fan perspective and for those of you who uh who go to the betting windows the virtual betting windows 
get some tough decisions ahead of you, I assume. But uh, again, keep it locked to MMAfighting.com. Subscribe all around for the great programming, weigh-in shows, preview, post-fight shows. And I would, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout-out to the great, the legendary Pizzi Carroll, who unfortunately is no longer with us. And uh, man, just one of the very best in the sport, not just in Europe, but in the entire sport. And uh, it was an honor and a pleasure to work with him, even for just a couple of months. And as I told him privately a couple of weeks ago, I will make sure that Pizzi Carroll is a part of this program and other programs that we do, because there will be other programs. And I hope to announce it this weekend because for those who have been following my career pre-MMA fighting, there was a show that I used to host and we're going to do it again, but it's going to get a little bit of a facelift and we're bringing it to MMAfighting.com. I am excited, so stay tuned for that. With that being said, big thank you to Casey Lydon and Esther Lynn for their great work behind the scenes. I just annoy them all week long to create graphics and do all sorts of stuff and it means a lot that these two legends of the game continue to come through and and help make the show what it is today because I can talk all I want but they make me and this show look the best it can possibly be and I appreciate that very much but I'm done ranting until later on this week as always have a heck of a week everybody Media Podcast Network.